couple weeks ago, it was raining, and so when I arrived at my favorite coffee shop, all the spots were taken except for one. And so I slipped into that one particular spot, and next to me was a young college-age young lady. And uh, as soon as I sat down next to her, I noticed what was written on the flap of her bag. It said two words, religion sucks. Well, I was carrying a messenger bag, and on the flap of my messenger bag was the name of our church. And so when I slid in, she was staring at my bag, just as much as I was staring at hers, and then our eyes met, and she slowly slid her hand down over top of those two words. And I think I totally freaked her out when I looked at her and said, you don't have to do that, I agree with you. I mean, I thought her teeth was going to like fall out of her mouth. She's like, what? I said, no. I said, really? I said, if you think religion is, is, you know, just an empty spiritual checklist of do's and don'ts, I can't stand that. And Jesus didn't like it either. I mean, she looked totally surprised. I said, Jesus had a real problem with people who turn a relationship with God into this cold routine practice. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and went back to typing. (laughs) And I couldn't resist, so I just kind of slid and I said, can I ask you a question? I said, do you like orphans? She goes, well, yeah, who doesn't like orphans? I said, how do you feel about widows? She said, well, actually, my mom's a widow. And I said, well, um, so you care about orphans and widows? Yeah. And I said, well, I hate to break it to you, but the Bible actually says you're religious then. And she, ah, she went back to typing one more time. <laughs> James one twenty seven: religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Several years ago, I went to Africa and I met orphans by the hundreds and those kids captured my heart. I met kids who had lost their parents to AIDS. I met kids who lost their parents to violence and civil wars in their countries. I met kids who, who, who lost their parents to sickness and, and these precious kids were all gathered in one place because somebody on the other side of the world dared to care. And I found myself absolutely drawn to them, not because of their plight, but because of their joy. And it just seemed like whenever I was with kids who had lost their parents and, 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 and I just spent time with them, I felt like I was just a little bit closer to the heart of God by being with them. Let me ask you a question this morning on this Mother's Day. Why do the followers of Jesus feel a gravitational pull towards kids who don't have any parents, towards orphans? Well, let me answer that. The reason you feel a gravitational pull towards them is because caring for orphans as a Christian is non-negotiable. Okay, let's go back to the coffee shop verse for a second. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's start at the end of the verse and work our way back to the beginning. We're so easily polluted when we limit our caring to our own little world. We just think as long as we're okay and the people that we love are okay, then we're good to go because we reason in our minds, well, people have to learn how to fend for themselves, right? We believe that that, that we're responsible just for us because I'm the only one that really matters to me. And we find ourselves polluted by a see no evil, hear no evil approach to life that sees human tragedy as as a headline on a newspaper that we just quickly flip past. Have you ever noticed that that when those 30-minute infomercials about kids that are starving on the other side of the world come on the TV, have you ever noticed how, how quick we all are to just get to sports center? Because we just believe, well, somebody else is surely going to get involved. And yet God says, if you would dare to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have no choice but to get involved. Because loving those kids is God's heart. 
Why are the people of Jesus drawn to the orphan? Let me give you a second reason. It's because defending orphans is an absolute command. I mean, you can't interpret Isaiah 1 verse 17 any other way. Here's what it says. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what's right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. There it is. It's an imperative command. It's a command to look after those who cannot look after themselves. And I'd like to introduce you to a man from your church who has given his entire life to be obedient to Isaiah 117. Matt Smith has become an incredibly good friend. He's the the director and the president of of a local ministry here called Kidstown. And I just got back from a trip to India with Matt. Matt and I uh, had an opportunity over there to, to see firsthand the work that's happening. If you are here today and you sponsor a child through Kidstown, I can tell you something. I saw this with my own eyes. What you are doing works. I met children that you're sponsoring. I saw the physical difference between kids who were sponsored and those who were not. I saw them laugh. I saw them play. I went to orphan church with them. It was one of the most incredible experiences ever. And I can tell you, if you have ever wondered about whether your investment is actually making a difference, I saw it with my own two eyes. It is. It is. It is. Matt and I bonded in incredible ways. If you ever want to have your prayer life go to an entirely new level, if you ever want to come to Jesus again and again and again, you just get in a car and drive in India, okay? It is scary. It's like the Grand Prix all the time fast. We would, 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 would fly down these dirt roads through areas that were controlled by Hindu militants, you know, and I'd be crying out to Jesus, and Matt would just sit on the other side, pray and smile at me. I mean, he is a godly, godly, godly man. And I was having an amazing time with him. And, and as, as we began to unpack his ministry, I got to see the father heart of God. And I just, I, I couldn't wait till this Mother's Day to introduce a guy to you who spends his whole life trying to connect children with moms and dads on the other side of the world. Would you welcome, please, Dr. Matt Smith as he comes today. Everybody. So Matt has given his heart to this. And as we were in India, Matt kept talking about the, three, the, the threefold strategy, threefold strategy, threefold strategy. And I thought it's simple. Food, clothes, love kids, that's it. But Matt kept opening my eyes to this entirely different way of looking at how in the world are the followers of Jesus supposed to look after kids that Jesus cares about. So Matt, I need you to unpack for these folks, enlighten them the way you enlightened me in India. Could you just explain to them kind of how this threefold strategy works? Well, first, I want to say that it's a completely different perspective from standing up here to sitting down there, and there sure are a lot of you out there. So uh, Pastor Grant and I were flying from Calcutta to Delhi at the end of our trip, and we had seen a lot, and it takes a lot to process. And uh, he mentioned to me, you know, I think it's time that we, we share again with the people at Christ the King. And so this really is a, it's a great opportunity uh, for me. I, I take this very seriously because I think what we have to share today is not really a fundraising drive. It's really trying to share with you key things that God wants to pass on to you that he's revealed to us. So before I walk into this threefold strategy of orphan ministry, I'd like to paint a little picture for you, some context, so that it makes a little more sense. India is a, is a vast, complex country. About 1.2 billion people live there. Uh, India suffers from incredible pollution, uh, a lot of poverty, um, a lot of disease, and a religious system that holds millions of people underfoot. India also leads the world in number of orphans with about 26 million, according to UNICEF. 
And it's with this backdrop that several years ago, I met a man named Subimal. And he's an Indian man who was taking care of 19 orphan kids. Subimal comes from a high caste Hindu family. When he was younger, he was in training to be a Hindu priest. But God got a hold of him. He became a believer instead. And he and his wife moved to a rural part of India and began reaching out to seven tribes that had never heard the gospel before. While they worked among them, they began to notice that there were many at-risk and abandoned kids that needed help. And so in the year 2000, they started the Gilgal Children Home. And they took in 19 kids, and they began to give them food and clothing and shelter. They began to share the gospel with them, and they began to prepare them for a life of service to the Lord. In 2006, I had the opportunity to go to the Gilgal Children Home, and I met Subimal, and I met the kids. And it was then for the first time that Subimal shared with me a three-dimensional approach to helping orphans. And it has completely changed the way that I view orphan ministry. And I really believe that as, if we will embrace and engage all three dimensions, that God will do amazing things. So I'd like to briefly walk you through what these three dimensions are. So the first one is practical help. This is the compassionate arm of orphan ministry. Uh, I'd like to read you from the, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15. And the Lord says, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-hearted towards your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. We see here that God is a compassionate God. And especially when it comes to children and to orphans, God has a very special place in his heart. God, it distresses him to see these kids living in poverty, living on the streets in broken family situations. And he wants us, his children, to reach out to these kids and to help them. So what are some ways that we can do that? Well, one way is by providing resources so that these kids can have food and clothing and shelter, that they can have an education so that they can be prepared for a life, a meaningful life in their own countries. Then we can help by providing them with clean water, with beds to sleep on, with adequate living facilities. And we can also befriend these kids. For those of you who sponsor orphans through Kids Town or another organization, I encourage you to write letters to your kids. Befriend them. These kids come from broken families. And often they don't think much of themselves. And as we reach out to them with friendship, it begins a healing process in their life. And then we can pray for them. We can pray that God will help them, give them hope. So all of this falls under the compassionate arm of helping. Then we move to the second arm. And this is evangelism and discipleship. Just as we see that God is a compassionate God... God is even more so an evangelistic God. God desires that all people come to salvation. We see over and over again in the Gospels, God's evangelistic heart. In the book of Luke, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we see that God's heart for these orphans is, yes, we want to help them practically. But we also want these kids to hear about Jesus, to have the opportunity to receive him, and to grow in their faith. And the main way that we can help from here is by praying for them. In John 6, 44, it says that 
No one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws them. So we need to be praying that the Father will draw these kids to Jesus. Some of you have heard the term, the 414 window. The 414 window refers to the group of people within the ages of 4 and 14. The Barna Institute has done research that the, they've, uh, they've polled people and they've found that the majority of people who have ever come to know Christ have done so between the ages of 4 and 14. The reason for this is that during this time of life, our, our spirits, our inside selves, is, it's soft. It's kind of like putty. And, and we are being molded. Our, our worldview, our religious beliefs, all that's being molded during that time frame. So if we can reach these orphan kids during that time, there's a much higher probability that they will come to know Christ. So it just uh, it accentuates the need, the importance of reaching out to these kids in an evangelistic fashion. And the main way that we can do that is through prayer. Also, for those of you who sponsor, encourage these kids in their faith. Let them know that what they have in their belief in Christ is something worth holding on to. Especially in countries like India and Nepal, being a Christian is very unpopular. People are persecuted. People are put to death for their faith. So we need to encourage these kids in their faith. So the second dimension of orphan ministry is evangelism and discipleship and prayer being the key. And then we move to the third dimension. This is more, this is what we call missional engagement. So we have seen that God is a God of compassion. Reach out to orphan in practical ways. God is a God of evangelism. Reach out, share the gospel, help these kids grow in their faith. Then God is a missional God. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. In India, not only are there 26 million orphans, India also leads the world in what's called unreached people groups. You see, there are 2,500 people groups within the, the boundaries of India. A people group is one that has its own customs, its own culture, its own languages, its own belief system. And of these 2,500 groups, there's about 2,200 that are classified as unreached, meaning they have little or no gospel witness among them. Many of these tribal groups have never heard of Jesus before. This represents about a billion people that have never heard of Christ before. A few months ago, Pastor Grant and I went to a small village from the Lerka tribe. The Lerka tribe is an unreached group. The majority of the Lerka people never heard of Jesus Christ. And there's a pastor that we are, are helping to support among them. The Lerka people, they're, they're tribal. They have their own way of looking at life. They, they live out in the forest. They, they, they're unconnected with the outside world. Now, if Pastor Grant and I said, you know what, we want to go evangelize them, well, I suppose that could work with God's help, but it would be very, very hard. We don't know their language. We have no idea how they view life. We don't know how they've been persecuted or, or the biases held against them. We don't know how they rank within Indian society. We don't know about their belief system. We don't know the questions that they have about life. But the orphan kids that we are supporting, ah, they might be Lerka. And if so, then they are from that tribe. They speak the language. They understand the customs and the culture. They likely have relatives living in the group, and it's likely that these kids will one day go back to that group to either live or to work. And the question is, what if they take the gospel back with them? Mm. 
You see, these kids have the potential of sharing the gospel with their own people in a way that they will understand, in a way that answers their questions, in a way that demonstrates that Jesus came for them. So what's our part in this? Our part, again, is to pray. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, again. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Ask, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. So as we pray, Matthew 9, 38, into the lives of the kids that we are supporting, believing that if God told us to do it, he'll do it if we ask him, it'll be done. That's missional engagement. It's understanding the great need, the potential of the kids, and then praying that God will send them back. So I'd like to challenge all of you here. For those of you who already sponsor an an orphan or a child through whatever organization, or for those who God may tap on your heart to one day do so, I encourage you, be three-dimensional in your sponsorship. Don't just write a check. Writing a check's important, but don't stop there. Be compassionate. Help these kids in practical ways. Be open-handed towards them. Number two, be evangelistic. Pray for them. Understand that God loves these kids. He died for them. Pray that he'll draw them to salvation. And then number three, be missional. Lift up your eyes and be aware that there are millions who have yet to hear the name of Christ. And recognize that these kids, the child that you're supporting in your home, the picture that's on your fridge, might be the one that God wants to use to send back to a tribal group that's never heard of Christ with the key to unlock the gospel going in. And then you pray, God, send these kids back. That's the three-dimensional approach. And I encourage you, as you practice those three things, being compassionate, being evangelistic, and being missional, then you can expect God to do great things. In 2006, our church, uh, I showed you a picture of a little kitchen in India that got washed out every time there was a rainstorm in India. And we raised a little bit of money, and, uh, and we helped fix that building. I got to go to India, and I saw the little plaque on the outside of that building. And surrounding that now are six other buildings that house 60 to 70 kids. I met Sobe Mall. I met the, uh, the parents who look after that group. And on the Sunday morning, we went to Orphan Church. And I walked in the door, and here's these kids that don't have parents, crying out to God in worship, praying like you have never heard kids pray in your life, quoting scripture, preaching, sharing with each other. It was incredible. And I know this will surprise you, but I was crying through the whole thing. And, uh, and Matt kept looking over me. He had this look on his face that just basically said, I so, I got you. I've got you. I got to see this firsthand how this actually works and how these kids are being raised up as missionaries to be sent back to reach groups that you and I never could ever get into. And this is the guy that's been just a key part in this whole thing. And Matthew's actually going to head to the commons because we've got some work for him to do out there. You'll have an opportunity to meet him after the service. But can we say thank you to him for all the stuff that he does and what he does? Thanks, buddy. When I was in India, I met an extraordinary mom. I'd like to show you a picture of a lady whose name is Sorolta. Sorolta is uh, surrounded by some of her sons. She has 30 boys that she raises in a home. You think your house is nuts? You've seen nothing compared to this incredible woman. The thing that kind of drew me to Sorolta is the fact that she's almost completely blind. You can hardly see anything at all, just light and dark shadows. I was amazed because the boys would come up and all they would say is mama and they would touch her on the arm and she instantly knew exactly who it was. She sat on the edge of this playground and every once in a while she would call out a name and then I would watch one of the boys kind of pay attention 
She was listening to see if they were behaving and if she sensed anything was going awry. All she did was call out their name and they would, I hear this, yes, mama. It's like she had radar built in. I just watched her interact with these kids. I saw that they felt safe with her. You could just see Jesus inside of her. She actually spoke incredible English and in our conversation. I shared with her, I said, my wife has an eye disease as well. And without even missing a beat, she just started crying out to God for a miracle in Laurel's life on the other side of the world. And I was amazed because as soon as she started to pray, the boys that were surrounding her, they just dropped their balloons and the balls and whatever it was they were playing with. And they just came to their mom and they started praying too. It was like it was built in to who they were as people. And I was amazed that, that a pastor from Bellingham, Washington, a blind mom from India, and 30 little orphan boys could be bound together with one simple fact. We all have the same dad, the same father. So we started crying out. And I want to go back to the question I asked at the beginning. Why is it as the followers of Jesus that we just feel this magnetism, this draw towards children who don't have anybody? Let me give you the the most important reason of all. It's because we're all orphans. I mean, there was a time before you met Jesus, you were spiritually alone. Your sin had made you an outcast. Nobody wanted you because you were too messy, too broken, without merit. We were all just spiritually without a real heavenly father. Some of us had had an earthly father and maybe he ignored us or neglected us or hurt us. But all of us were bound together by the fact that we have a heavenly father who was so driven by his love for us that he gave up his own son so that we could have access to his family. We resonate with orphans because that's who we were before God showed up and said, I take you and I pick you and I'll take you and you and you and you and you. You could all come and have access to my family because that's how much I love you. The Bible says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. It means that God was absolutely wired to welcome us into His family. If you know Jesus, you've been adopted. He picked you. He could have picked anybody. He picked you. It means you're not an orphan anymore. You have a spiritual family. You're not alone. You don't have to fend for yourself. Never ever forget as a follower of Jesus that you were once an orphan too. That's what will keep your heart soft and keep you from changing the channel or flipping the page and just hoping that somebody else gets involved. This weekend, we have an opportunity for you. I have a pastor friend. He goes, hey, You know what we're doing for Mother's Day? We're giving away flowers. I'm like, really? We're giving away kids. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's awesome. I got to travel with Matthew. I I, I met children who just need sponsors. They need somebody to dare to care. Matthew, the fact that he can actually speak today is incredible. He just got back from Romania. He's completely jet-lagged. He's completely flipped over. But this is so important to him. He roused his brain and came out. And, and he's going to be standing in the commons with a group of people from Kids Down today because we have an opportunity today on Mother's Day to expand your family. I would love for you to take home an extra kid today for about 40 bucks a month, eight mochas. That's what it is. 
you can have an opportunity to completely give someone not just nutrition, practical things, but the bread of life too. So here's the opportunities, okay? Got three opportunities for you. Matthew talked about the first one. It's prayer. Join in praying for these kids. If you already have us, if you're already a sponsor, can I tell you something? When I went to Africa, this is what I saw. Every time that we would go to a child's home, they would come out with a little tiny box, and inside of the box were the letters they'd gotten from your sponsor. If you have a child, here is your Mother's Day assignment from Jesus, the King of the universe. Write your kid a letter. Can I make that any clearer? Was that sensitive enough for you? Write your kid a letter. They cherish that because it's some of the only love that they ever see or feel. Pray for Matt. Pray for the kids. Pray that God will use these kids to change their world. Secondly, some of you have been praying about going a step beyond sponsorship and adopting internationally. I'm going to do something crazy. My sister was here last night. She freaked out when I said this, but I don't care. This is so important. If God has been tugging on your heart to adopt internationally, I want to know who you are, okay? My email is grantf at ctkbellingham.com. It's not on the website because I couldn't keep up with the volume of email, but I'm telling you, my email is grantf at ctkbellingham.com. If you want to email me this week to complain about whatever, my shirt, you didn't like it, my sandals, I don't care, don't bother. I want you, if you feel like God's stirring something in you to adopt internationally, I want you to send me an email because I'm going to put you together in a room. I don't even have a date yet. I want to put you together with other couples from our church who've adopted internationally to see whether or not God might make that miracle come true for you. Okay? That's my email, grantfctkbellingham.com. All you need to say is, we're interested in adoption. I'll put you on a list and we'll invite you to come and meet with other families who've gone to the other side of the world to expand their family. And finally, the opportunity, of course, is sponsorship. We've got kids in orphanages who are just waiting for somebody to dare to care. If you already do this, praise God for you. I saw your kids in India, and it works. It works. If you decide to do this today, here's what I can tell you. You're going to get an opportunity to redefine religion. And I think our world could use a few more followers of Jesus who practiced that kind of religion, looking after widows and orphans. Now, some of you are like, okay, well, you know, you're talking a big game and all the rest of that, Grant, that's just awesome. Do you practice what you preach? There are four members of the Fishbook family, and so we've sponsored four kids. We started sponsoring a little boy named Janelle in the Philippines when he was four. Janelle's turning 18 this year. It's the same age as my son, Braden. And we've been with them all through the years because I believe God is going to use Janelle to change the Philippines. So we have four little kids. So when people ask me, do you have two children? I'm like, nope, I got six. They just happen to be spread all over the place. So here's what we're going to do. I told you, this is guilt and manipulation Sunday. I do not apologize for this. So (laughs) Seth and Becca are going to come and join me right now. Uh, We have about 106 kids waiting for sponsors. And Seth is going to sing, and I'm going to show you all their faces. And then I'm going to come back up here, and I'm going to try and talk you out of sponsoring. I'll be back in a minute. Seth, would you lead us?
It's easy to get caught up in the emotion of these things. And, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I want you to really think about it before you just walk out and grab a little envelope. You're signing up for a long time. It's really cool to do this kind of thing for about three months. That's my experience. To take responsibility for a life on the other side of the world. So I just want to encourage you to, to be very prayerful and to really think it through before you just walk up to the table. I met a guy leaving in the service after 8.30. He's got two little envelopes in his hand. He's walked up. I'm like, hey, Brian. And he's like, wow. I came to Mother's Day and I went home a dad. <laughs> you got to count the cost. We've had Janelle for like 14 years. It's a long time. But I can honestly say it's one of the greatest joys that our family's ever had. Because we've been so blessed. How can we not, not be a blessing? So as you're leaving today, you walk out the commons door and turn to your left. Matt and his crew are kind of standing there. And I just want to encourage you that the door is wide open if that's what the Lord would have you do today. It's between you and Him. It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of us. But be prayerful. God, you want us to do something. Because if you do, here's what I can tell you will happen. You'll have an opportunity to do something that very few human beings ever get to do. You'll have an opportunity to redefine religion and get it right. I think the world could use a few more Jesus followers that would do what God asked.